Radio Drome. Radio Drome, if you're tuning in for this, did you expect anything but Radio Drome? I was expecting what the fuck. No, because then you'd be Jillian. <laughs> and Alex wouldn't be on the show. No, I wouldn't. But he's, I am now. He's banned from that show. Go to adamandeve.com, use the promo code DROME to get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, Free U.S. shipping and a free mystery gift. AdamandEve.com, promo code DROME. We really need it. So tonight, we don't have a topic. We're just going to free ball for the night. The end. All right, see you next week. Brad, what's your website? I'm at thecinemasnob.com. <laughs> that was a quick free ball. <laughs> I do have a couple of minor, like, mini topics that I made notes for that I want to talk about, but n- none of them really deserve their own topic. And I think the first one... The RoboCop remake being PG-13. Did you expect this to happen? 50-50, honest. Uh, I I, I had a fear it would, but then the whole time the director kept saying he's honoring the original and how much he loves the original, so I thought, okay, he's got it. And then, now, you gotta remember... By by original, he meant RoboCop 3. Apparently. Because, and, and now, here's the thing that makes me the most worried. His choice of words... It was shot for PG-13, not edited to PG-13. That implies to me there will be no unrated director's cut on DVD. That Uh part pisses me off. Director's statement of, well, no, I'm not changing it that much, because if the original came out today, they'd have given it a PG-13 rating. What? What? No, it wouldn't have. I I know. I know it wouldn't have. I actually think by the re-rating system, the original would be a harder R. By the way... Even if you tried releasing... I don't even think that the uncut version of RoboCop would even get an R by today's standards. Well, according to the director, the the original would have gotten a PG-13 by today's standards. Oh, this is the same same type of person who probably says Chainsaw Massacre would get a PG by today. Yeah. Throughout the whole making of this... And remember, I narrated those documentaries from RoboCopArchive.com, so I've seen a lot of the build-up to this RoboCop remake... The whole time they're like, we're, we're honoring the original. We love the original. This movie is made for RoboCop fans. No, it's obviously not. No, it isn't. I agree with you. It, like, this is RoboCop, made for a mass audience. RoboCop is R-rated, ultra-violent satire. And if you do RoboCop as a PG-13, you're not going to get a very true RoboCop movie. You might get a pretty good TJ Laser movie. It's not going to be RoboCop. PG-13 RoboCop is just going to be what the original RoboCop was making fun of to begin with. And they'd, they'd already nerfed the character so much by the time the 90s rolled around. Don't they remember nerfing him is what killed the franchise? I really like the term. I've never heard this before. I really like the term nerfing. <laughs> you, you've, nerfing. Never, you've never heard that? No, no, no. But oh, it's an it's an accurate term though because that's what they're doing. They're you know it, it's like in the RoboCop series from what was it 90, 90 91, uh-huh. where he was not allowed to shoot people. He used his gun to shoot the leg off of a off of a bookcase which would fall over him, or shoot the chain off of a sign which would fall on yeah. the villain. That that kind of nerfing that, that killed that, the franchise. That subplot in RoboCop two 
where they give him like 50 million different parameters. That was satire, and that was intentional. Yeah, yeah, Robocop, but 2 I, is, <laughs> Robocop 2 is it's still a hard R. But I think that's what I they're think, doing. They're thinking that, oh, this is really what Robocop was. It's clearly just done to make money. That's That's it. I mean, and it's really disappointing because... It wasn't that I was defending it in the sense like, no, 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 this is definitely going to be good. This is definitely going to be a great movie. I just wasn't the quickest to jump on the instant nerd rage of, oh, it's a remake. That automatically means it's going to be shitty. Because in this particular case, you know, it does have a good director. It does have a good writer behind it. And it's got a really, really solid cast. You're doing something with this that you know that you know for a fact is going to turn off the fan base that you're trying to sell yourselves to because in this day and age when you announce a remake like that of something like robocop you are already already starting out in the doghouse with the fan base you are you just are in this day and age like i'm not saying that I'm not saying that I'm always one of those people who instantly is like, oh, remake that, so, you know, I've seen many, many good remakes, and I've seen many, many shitty ones. I just need more evidence that the movie's going to be bad, other than it's just a remake. But because you're already starting out in this doghouse with the fans, you you need to win them over. You need You need to bring them to your movie. And to do something like this, that they know, that they know... For a fa- it's impossible that they wouldn't know that doing that would piss off fans of the original movie, would piss off RoboCop fans, which means that's not who they're selling this movie to. They're selling this movie to the fans that made Transformers 3 a hit at the box office. That's, that's who they're catering this movie to. I don't know if this was the shooting script, but what was labeled as shooting script that was leaked on, I think it was Ain't It Cool News was full of references making fun of the original film, such as a scene where they bring out all these new RoboCop models, and one is the original from the original movie that Peter Weller wore, and it got laughed off, you know, the the test audience in the movie laughed at it and said, it looks like an 80s action figure. Who would buy that as law enforcement? And that's my entire point, is that they don't don't care. They they obviously don't care. And, yeah, that's... That's that's my point. You know, a new generation of fans, so to speak. Like like you said, they did with Transformers 3. Well, and there's also the fact, director also said they wanted to open up this movie to the widest possible audience to see it. Not to enjoy it. They want more people to see the movie. They don't care whether you like the movie. And but you this, know, is the, this is the same company, Brad, that made that Total Recall remake that was totally nerfed. Ugh. You know what? That's fine if you're making something like independence day that's fine if you're making something like that that shouldn't be the case with every movie it should you should you should make it to where it appeals to everyone in your target audience robocop is an r-rated franchise it just is friday the 13th is halloween is nightmare on elm street some movies are just that. Some movies are R-rated series, and you just gotta deal with it, people. Look at it like this. The original film was R-rated. Did that R-rating stop it from becoming a monster blockbuster that we all saw? No, it didn't! Look at what, one of the most profitable movies of the summer in terms of, in terms of box office to its budget. 
is The Conjuring, which we're going to be is, talking about that in a little bit. So I want to, which wanna... is a huge hit, which is a huge hit at the box office, and it's R-rated. They they put way too much emphasis, I think, on box office, like a movie like Dread. Okay, it failed at the box office and therefore is considered a failure. It's made seven times its budget back on home video. Uh-huh. Doesn't that make it a success? It is. It is. It's so much so that they're they're seriously still in talks of there being a sequel. Exactly. But so why put all the thing? Well, we have to get the biggest box office. You know, if you do this, you're just going to pit. It's almost like what Warner Brothers did with DC Comics with the DC relaunch. Their sales were stagnant. Not bad. Just they were not getting any new fans to DC Comics. So they said, instead of aiming our comics at comic book fans, we want non-comic book fans. So they did that New 52 relaunch, pissed off their entire comic fan base to try and get people who don't read comics. You're trying to hit the wrong fan base. I, I I agree, and I I never I never bought into this notion. PG thirteen and R makes the difference between a hit and a flop. I've never bought into that. I mean, maybe of course maybe it's possible that if something is a PG thirteen, you might get get an extra million, maybe maybe an extra couple million, or maybe not, or maybe not because people because. People might be turned off to the fact that it's a PG-13, so you might also lose that one or two million. Like, so I don't buy into that it makes the difference between a hit and a flop. I don't. A good movie's a good movie. A bad movie's a bad movie. A hit's a hit, and a flop's a flop. I think that that'll happen regardless of what the rating is. Teenagers will always see your movie. They can find a way to see your movie. We did. That's always, yeah, that's always been the case. And it's always going to be the case. If they want to see the movie, they'll find a way to see it. Also, I mean, were any of us old enough to watch RoboCop when it came out? No. I was 12. <laughs> I was. I saw it in the theater, and I was 12 when that came out. I was yeah, like I was, seven, I think. Yeah, I was eight. You know, it, it, there's, there's also the fact that sometimes the PG-13 versus, I can't say R because they always release some unrated on DVD, is just literally details. I have not seen the PG-13 version of Priest that you saw in the theater, but I've seen the, <laughs> I've seen the, the uncut, unrated, whatever you want to call it, on DVD. And, like, when he shoots that giant monster, there's just extra brains. Because I've, uh-huh. I've seen on YouTube the clip from the PG-13 version. He still shoots a monster multiple times in the head. Is a little bit of extra strawberry jam really going to sway your kid into being a juvenile delinquent? It was probably corn syrup. Shut up. It was CGI, but you know what I mean. Yeah, and that's a thing, too. It's like, it's oh, so much freaking CGI blood. And it looks terrible. It feels terrible. It takes you out of the movie. It looks so freaking bad. I mean, that is just quintessential lazy right there. I keep getting the feeling that every time it's done, it's just so if they want to bring it down to a PG-13, they can just digitally take it out. I went to go see The Wolverine last night. I overall I liked it. I I did. Overall I I liked the movie. But you could tell that if they in some shots it, in a in like a couple shots it looked like they were kind of just plain not showing something that was really kind of confusing that they weren't showing it. But in most of it it was sort of like I'll bet that if an unrated version of this is released, it's just going to be a bunch of CGI blood because it's showing Wolverine stabbing and murdering a lot of people really bloodless it's really bloodless so i i'm just picturing like an unrated version of this existing and it's the same scenes just with a bunch of cgi blood put in there 
I can think of two movies where they used CGI blood and gore, and there was no way these movies were ever going to be a PG-13 with any amount of editing, and that was The Devil's Rejects and the Rambo movie from a few years ago. Yeah. Both of those are filled with CGI gore, and there was no way they were ever going to edit those to PG-13, so... Okay, I won't quite say lazy, because maybe, like, especially in Rob Zombie's case, for Devil's Rejects, it was budgetary, but it's such obvious CGI blood during the Freebird scene that it actually took me out of the movie when I'm like, and when you watch the documentary, remember the nails going through their hands when William Forsyth is torturing them? CGI nails. But it's, is that even cheaper? I don't know. That's why I'm, I'm hesitant to use the term lazy, but I kind of want to because I actually think it would take more time to do it in post than it would to just do a practical on the fucking set. Exactly. I think most of the time it's it's laziness over budgetary. You know, like like the Rambo one. I mean, he's blowing people apart with a 50 cal and it's it looks like something out of a Call of Duty game. It's so mm-hmm. cartoonish. It, it it just You won't get it you won't get an argument for me out of out of CGI blood. I've been involved with CGI blood twice, once in Paranoia, but I didn't direct that movie, so that was not my choice. And and uh, it, it seems like there was something else I shot. There was a CGI blood scene in there just to make it look as stupid and ridiculous as all possible. Yeah, but one, remember one of the selling points for the snob movie was practical effects. Oh yeah, because I directed that one. Let's move on to something else you brought up, The Conjuring. Mm-hmm. I have not seen the film yet. I've heard nothing but good things about it, and I'm hoping, with all the positive word of mouth, that Vera Farmiga finally gets her due. I think she is a criminally underrated actress. Dude, well, they're already going to make a a franchise out of it with um, the characters that she and Patrick Wilson play in the movie. I'm kind of all for that, because I really dug dug their performances in this. They They were both very, very good. The Conjuring was scary as hell. I I loved the hell of, out of that movie, and I really really dig that. And, and all the it, it, it helps that the movies in this instance, the the big budget movies I'm talking about, it helps that they're pretty bad. But here we have here we have a lot of really big budget flops this summer season. We've got the Lone Ranger, we've got After Earth, and here we have all of these other movies making killer freaking profits because look you can make a movie like the conjuring for like under 10 million dollars well now since i haven't you don't need 250 million dollars to tell your freaking story since alex and i haven't seen it try and explain to us in the audience what makes it effective because i'm not a big fan of james wan to begin with i don't think he's a bad director i just don't particularly like most of his movies and the trailer did not sell me at all. The trailer did nothing for me. And well, the word because, of mouth... Well that's, well, that's because it was a trailer for a movie. Shut up. I love trailers, <laughs> prick. <laughs> Where's the evidence of that? All you do is whine about, I like, hated the trailer, I hated that's, this. That's like me saying, I love Kristen Wiig. I mean, is it just mood? Is it jump scares? Is it atmosphere? No, honestly, it's, it's mood, it's atmosphere, it's a solid story. And honestly, it's its lack of jump scares. The movie is the movie does it so well. It does it like it it completely does it like a 1970s haunted house thriller. It's the vibe is totally there of of of, uh, of one of those kind of movies of, of that era. I mean, hell, the movie itself takes place in 1971. 
but what it does incredibly well is like when somebody okay for example when somebody is walking down a dark hallway and they kind of look over to their right and at the other end of the room is this ghost standing there with like slit wrists and stuff that right there that that is scary that is scary when you see that happen you don't need a music stinger you don't need a just a big booming soundtrack to happen or some jump scare you don't need that for that to be scary and that's what this movie does incredibly well it treats its audience like adults it's basically like the anti-paranormal activity movie whenever there is like maybe there's one or two jump scares in the movie but at that point a movie that does it so well has really kind of earned that at that point because a jump scare in and of itself isn't necessarily a bad thing it's just how you use it and it's if the movie earns that or just earns a cheap little scare to throw in there once in a 90 minute movie but the rest of it is totally about mood it's totally about being incredibly eerie and 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 disturbing an incredibly incredibly solid scare film and it, it and also it's a good character piece the characters in the movie Dear God, they're incredibly like likable. You really feel sorry for both parties involved. You really feel for these people. You actually get to know them. They're not just people put in the movie to like get killed or you know sneak up behind them and go ooh boogity boogity boogity. But so so yeah. It, and I admittedly, I'm I'm a really big James Wan fan. There there hasn't been a James Wan movie I've seen that I didn't like. I mean, sure, there's certainly maybe. Sure, there's certainly some I like better than others, but straight out dislike. No, I've I've recommended every single one of the guy's movies. I loved The Conjuring. I loved Insidious. I loved Death Sentence. I think he makes solid work. And like I said, I I really think Vera Farmiga is an actress who's been toiling in lower budget movies and really quickly canceled TV series for too long. I think she's an incredibly talented actress, just never seemed to really find her place in Hollywood. And I don't know why. Oh, she's great in this movie. She's great in everything I've seen her. Remember her in 15 Minutes? I liked 15 Minutes. I liked 15 Minutes, too. I remember her from the old TV series Undercover. I remember Uh her from Touching Evil. Okay, Who else can play opposite Jeffrey Donovan when he's absolutely nuts and still Mm -hmm. make you buy it? Vera Farmiga Mm -hmm. can do that, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. But another thing I wanted to talk about, you guys hear this thing about how Hollywood is basically condemning Spike Lee, and I'm on Hollywood's side for once, for kind of pulling the dick movies, pulling with Kickstarter. What's Spike oh. Lee doing with Kickstarter? I haven't heard any of this. Uh, he's uh, all I know. I I didn't know that it, I didn't know that this was controversial, but I just saw a headline a couple of days ago that he's raise wanting to raise like a million some dollars for one point two five. Okay, okay. But here's the thing: he's doing it on Kickstarter. Because he's like, oh, I don't got to do- deal with studios no more. This stuff is this stuff is perfect. The mm. man is worth $30 million. He owns a $7 million home. He owns six cars, according to the LA Times report. He, he, he throws dinner parties that cost $50,000 a night. And, there's, and, 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 and he's that. going, yeah. I need you guys to give me money to make a movie. There's That's- several <laughs> times that he self-financed his own movies in the past. Kickstarter is supposed to be there for people who do not have other funding options. I don't think Kickstarter f- should be there for, you know what? I'm incredibly rich, but 
I don't want to use my own money, or I don't want to go to a studio. I'll just Did have he... you guys fund it. Well, now, hang on. Did he give a reason why he's using Kickstarter? Because as Alex said, he's self-funded his own movies in the past. What's is 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 there some particular reason or some snafu he's gone through where he's got to use Kickstarter in this instance? He's been pulling the I'm sick of studios telling me what to do. Well, well then the, use your own damn money. Well, now to, to be fair, he has before many many times. Like, uh, what's his what's his reasoning for Kickstarter? Because if if that's his only reason, that's not really yeah. A reason. His only reason basically is. I don't want to use my own money. I want to make a movie, and I don't want to go to a studio. So you guys can fund my movie. And he doesn't want to use his own money. Yeah, no. it's, and it's it's reverse Robin Hood. He's stealing from the poor to finance the rich. Yeah, and yeah. I just I just think it's kind of a dick move, and it kind of it, it kind of hurts what Kickstarter is supposed to be. Like I said, Kickstarter is supposed to be there for people who do not have the wine scenes uh-huh. on speed dial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it it. It seems weird that he wouldn't have that he wouldn't be able to, especially since he's done it in the past. It seems weird how he wouldn't be able to finance it because you'd think somebody like Spike Lee would at least be able to make a profit on that. Um, I was looking at Spike Lee's statement about it. Really, it's just he wants the money to make a movie. He's like, well, Veronica Mars got five million and Zach Braff got three million, so hey, why not? I can make a movie. Yeah, off it, of it just seems like it seems like he wants to say, I want to make a movie. I just don't want to use my own money because uh, huh. the the smoking gun said this the budget he's looking for is less than one thirteenth of his total mm-hmm. bank account. He could write a check for his own movie overnight, and it really wouldn't hurt him. Now, is it fitting that he's made a movie called Bamboozled, since that's exactly what he's trying to do to people? I think Sing. you both. Are ra- <laughs> I, I think you both are racist. <laughs> Yeah, we're racist because because I don't like Spike Lee, right? No, I'm I'm I, I yeah I if if that's the only reason he's doing this was because <laughs> I don't want to spend my own money. <laughs> what? I'm um, spend your money. Then, In fact, then his I, quote. I, from I think this... that then I then I agree. I think I think that that's sleazy. His Spike Lee's quote from this article in New York Times was. When I saw that Zach Braff had gotten $3 million for his movie, I said, oh, snap! I mean, I am condemning Spike Lee because I think he's being a total douche nozzle about this. I mean, I could totally buy if Spike Lee was raising Kickstarter money for, like, some NAACP initiative or something that wasn't a movie. The the thing with Spike Lee, we also got to talk about the Old Boy trailer. Now, I didn't... I don't hate the original Old Boy movie at all. I like Old Boy. I, yeah, I, 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 I don't like think one of it's my favorite movies. Yeah, I don't think it's a, a masterpiece, but I, I don't dislike it at all. I think it's a pretty good film. There's all this controversy about how he whitened up the movie, and I'm thinking, really, of Spike Lee, you're gonna claim whitened up a film? What, Talk about a, bullshit controversy, huh? How do you whiten what, what, up a movie when you've got Spike Lee directing and Samuel Jackson is in the cast? Well, I think and, the fact that Josh Brolin's the main character, and they changed it from a mostly Japanese or almost, I think all Japanese cast. It was Korean, Korean, Asian. <laughs> Since when is this? A th- Why is this suddenly a controversy? What? But, I have no clue. It's, I've an, seen it it's an American. It's an American remake. Why would? What? This just seems like complaining for the sake. This seems like a complaint. No offense. This seems like a complaint you would have. Except I'm not the one making this complaint. I think the you, trailer for Spike you, Lee's Old Boy actually looks pretty good. And it's relatively accurate to the original. 
Yeah, I, a... honestly, I gotta be honest. I, I gotta be honest. I haven't seen. I haven't seen the trailer yet. I haven't seen the trailer for it yet. But but what what were they? Ex- what are they expecting? American remakes of stuff to have a an Asian still cast? have an Asian cast? What did oh, they expect? God, Spike people. Lee to to go to Korea and shoot the movie in Korean? Oh my God! People have their head <laughs> up their ass. Yeah. Are they complain? Are they complaining about that Ken Watanabe remake of Unforgiven coming out coming out? I haven't seen a trailer for that. That has an Asian cast? Uh, I haven't seen a trailer for that yet. Good. It looks exactly like Unforgiven. <laughs> <laughs> there was this horrible, horrible PG-13 horror film came out a few years ago, The Uninvited, which was an American remake of a Korean movie, A Tale of Two Sisters. Oh, I, yeah! That, that was, uh, is that The Uninvited? Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was called The Uninvited. Or like the Uninvited or like The Unborn or whatever. Yeah, and I don't think any movie could be an American remake of a Korean and do as bad a job as that movie did. I didn't see that movie. I've seen American remakes of stuff that's that are fine. It's like it's like I said. I'm I'm just not one of those guys who instantly has this blanket hatred every time I hear the word remake. I'll admit that there that anymore in this day and age that there's more bad ones than there are good ones but there still are some decent ones i like the american version of the grudge better than the japanese version i didn't like either (laughs) but but brad you've also got some controversy over the 47 ronin movie and ironically enough it's not the issue i have with the movie we got we got the trailer for that last night okay we'll go into my issue with that after i go into what the controversy is they're like okay it's a the according to the trailer it's a relatively faithful retelling of this old fable which is supposedly based on a true story yet they make the main character white for no apparent reason other than well we can't sell this movie to american audiences unless we have a white lead so keanu's the lead now just deal with charlton heston is playing a mexican shut up no no alex 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 it's okay when older movies did it yeah. No, Charlton Heston's character in Touch of Evil was an American who was raised in Mexico. His character is not Mexican as in Latino. Just like Charlton Heston. <laughs> so, no, I, I'm sick of everyone going, yeah, well, Charlton Heston played a Mexican. Okay, he played a Mexican by adoption, not by birth. John Wayne played Genghis Khan. Yeah, dude, that was perfect cast. I can't argue with that one. I, I can't. I, I, there's no defense for that one. Hey, Steven Seagal wanted to play Genghis Khan, so that's not much better. Is is so? Answer, yeah, answer me this, because that was a question I had after watching the trailer for that. I was like, is Keanu? So Keanu Reeves is playing an Asian guy in the. They call him a half breed at one point. So half, oh well, is half it, Asian? I guess. Oh okay. Well, isn't well okay. Well, doesn't Keanu Reeves actually have some Asian roots? I'm not it, sure, but is that any more offensive than Johnny Depp playing an Indian? Well, well, I wasn't really offended by that at all. I was more so offended that that was a character. Indians terrible. are. I, I'm not an Indian. But no, it, well, if Keanu Reeves is at least part whatever nationality he's playing here, then that is better than Johnny Depp playing an Indian, which I didn't really have a problem with to begin with. It wasn't. I don't know, I didn't really think it was that offensive. Well, I mean, at least, like, like even in the old Kung Fu TV series, they, they had David Carradine's mother being Chinese, so he plays a half-breed. So mm-hmm. it's not that weird that his character is treated as Chinese. 
Yeah, Is yeah. Breed really the the politically correct term. In the in the forty seven Ronin trailer, they use the term half breed. So that's that's the term I'm using for for this because that's in the trailer. Yeah, it's because you wouldn't let us use the word quadroon. You know why when in the original fable and you know the true story it's based on, there are no white characters. Why do we need a white lead in an otherwise Asian story? And mm. that's being all controversial and. I think the most controversial part should be this this isn't a movie, not a live action movie. It's a freaking cartoon that occasionally has live action actors in it. The director himself admitted three quarters of this movie was shot in post. At mm. that point, it's all green screens and CG. It's a mm. cartoon. It's still a movie. It's still a movie. But it's a cartoon. It's still a movie. That's a motion picture. The pictures are moving. Yeah, the movie's, it's got a lot of CGI in it. It's a modern day movie. Oh my god, it's got CGI in it. Whatever. Well, it's, it's, have you seen the trailer? Less of a trailer, it's more of a scene from Gravity. Oh, I like that trailer. I, I like the fact that it all comes across like it's one uncut shot, but I, there was one of the major critics that, that was talking that, that got this before a movie, and he said, so is this a cartoon? Because... You can only really see George Clooney and Sandra Bullock's face in a couple of shots, and the rest is all CG. Is this an actual cartoon, or is it a real movie? How is a cartoon not a real movie? What does Pixar make? I thought I think, Wally I think was what, a movie. I think what they mean is when you hire actors to be on camera, there should be more live action than there is six months later when you're doing it in post. I think that's the point. You don't think it should be called a live action movie? I don't. I think it should be called a, an animated movie that might have some live action. Well, why? Well, then why isn't it a live action movie with some animated bits? Because you can't, by your own logic, you can't fully call it an animated movie because it does have live action in it. It's just the same thing with like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. That's yeah. that's more of a live action movie that has some animated bits in it, yeah. whereas something like Sin City is more of an animated movie that has live action bits in it. And I, mm. and I like Sin City. I'm actually really yeah, looking like forward City. to Sin City 2 quite yeah. a bit, actually. I, now, they, I don't think the, they have a trailer for that yet, though. Not does that the trailer, I know of. Does the trailer say 47 Ronin, a, a live-action movie, or does it just say 47 Ronin? 47 Ronin. Then, then what does it matter? It, it's, it's more of this that, you know, we're, we're losing actually shooting movies. It's just, it's all done on green screen. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of like what Avery Brooks said back when he was on shooting Deep Space Nine. My grandfather had to do all this stuff and blah, 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 and now I'm sitting across of a green screen pretending to shoot at monsters. Something has changed in the industry. Well, Something look. changes in every industry that ever was. Of course, movies. I, I, of course, I think movies nowadays, too much CGI. I, I, I do. Uh, I, I've made that clear many, many times, but it's not... I, it's not something I'm obsessed with necessarily because at the end of the day, whether you're using a green screen, whether you're using CGI, or whether you're using a lot of stuff that's live action and not computer animated, of course I would prefer, prefer more practical stuff. I, I would. But you know what? At the end of the day, I do just want a good movie. I, I do want a good movie. And there are movies that there are movies I've seen that really abuse the hell out of CGI. They they do. Yeah. Um, but I've still kind of liked the movie I, I have. And I do just want 
a good movie. I do. We go to the movies. We go to the movies to hopefully see a good movie and get some joy out of that. Is is do they do things differently now than they did when I was younger? Well, yeah, but that's always been the case with film. It just goes in one direction and you just it, it just changes. It just changes. It goes it, it constantly moves forward and you can like you can like the changes that it makes and you can't or, or you can't. I mean, there are changes that have happened that I do like and there are changes that I don't. I'm I'm not the biggest CGI fan in the world because I do think it just gets abused as hell. Again, I I do just want a good movie. I I, I do. I, I I want if you're going to use CGI, use it use it right. And if it, and if it uses it bad, I'll call it out on it. I'll say, boy, that was some crap CGI in there. Boy, they really did that freaking bad. But if it does it well, you know, I'm not going to bitch that it was mostly CGI. All right, then let's move on to another stupid controversy since Kick-Ass 2 is coming out this week. What do you think of Jim Carrey's denouncement of the violence in the movie, even though he's in the movie? And as Mark Miller, I can't remember if he wrote the script or if he just did the comic book, there was no more violence in the movie than what was in the script that Jim Carrey agreed to do. So I don't understand what he's bitching about. This breaks my heart because I like Jim Carrey a lot. I, I love Jim Carrey. I, I really do. I've, I've been a fan since hell since I was a kid watching In Living Color. I think that this is so stupid. I think it's so stupid. I'm 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 with the, I'm on that dude's side. I'm like, dude, dude, what the hell? You knew this movie was violent going into it. If you wanted to say no, say freaking no. But there's also he's using the excuse that like his outlook on it changed after the Sandy Hook tragedy. The Sa- the Sandy Hook tragedy was really really bad. That's freaking putting it lightly. Oh oh my god. But. What, has Jim Carrey never heard of mass shootings before? I mean, (laughs) we're kind of a violent society here. I mean, we really freaking are. So he's kind of suddenly has this this whole outrage just seemingly out of nowhere. And it seems like he's kind of using that as a crutch. Here's the thing. Dude, you promoted Burt Wonderstone and you won't promote this? Really? Because it's got violence in it that you signed on for and acted in, and I'm guessing you're still keeping your paycheck. Yeah, that's why I don't know how I feel about this, because, I mean, Jim Carrey obviously has the right to his opinion. If he He, wants to denounce the movie, fair enough. He knew what he was getting into, and he didn't have a problem with it until after he shot it. It, it, It's kind of like those, what was his name from Friday the 13th Part 5? John Shepard that played Tommy? yeah, yeah. How after that he got born again and has spent the rest of his career bitching about horror movies, and it's like what okay, a, what you a still fun did life it. He must, what a fun life he must lead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes, you you have a right to your opinion, but it's not like you were duped into this. It's not. I mean, you listen to certain commentary tracks of you know train wreck movies, mm-hmm. and you find out that when the actor signed on, it was almost a totally different script than the piece of crap that got made. Like Supernova. I've heard James Spader, the movie he signed on to do and he signed the contract for is not the movie that ended up being shot. In that case, you can feel like you were duped a little bit. But here's the thing with Jim Carrey, though. Okay, regardless of what was in the script, it is a sequel to a really hard R ultraviolet movie. And I'm assuming he saw the first one. Probably Probably a safe assumption, yeah. 
So, yeah, it, it should be one of those you knew what you were getting into. I just think he's being kind of whiny about it. And like you, I grew up with Jim Carrey, man. I, yeah. I don't want him to come across like this, but kind of c- comes across like an entitled douchebag in this particular case. Yeah, I'm with you on this. It breaks my heart because I, really I really do love the guy. But, dude, this uh, take advantage of the fact that this looks like one of your best movies in years. And, and from the trailer... And I'm not a fan of the first movie or the comic, but it looks like he's having a good time from the scenes in the trailer, doesn't it? It looks like he's having a blast. Yeah, he's having more fun than the rest of the cast, it looked like. Yeah, so it doesn't, you know, it, it, it's kind of like how, you know, Johnny Depp bitches about 21 Jump Street, how it was so hell and he hated every day. And then you look at the bloopers and he's having a hell of a fun time. And it's like, you only decided to hate it later. At the time, you were having a fine time doing it, you know? No matter how I've seen, you know, we you all hear the stories about Shatner being a nightmare to work with on the original Star Trek, but you see blooper reels where it looks like they're all laughing and having fun. I mean, just because an, a whole experience on a show that lasted several years might have been miserable for someone, that doesn't mean that there were literally absolutely no moments on set where anyone was having fun. I know, it just, th- th- this is to me a needless controversy that I, I agree. I, and people are tearing Jim Carrey apart for it, especially in the comic book community, since this is a heavily anticipated comic movie. I really think this will affect his career, at least with them as fans, and that that's kind of disheartening, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I hope that he changes his mind. I do, because I want Jim Carrey. I want Jim Carrey back. But he's a tremendous actor when he I, puts his yeah. mind to it. I to- yeah, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And he does look really awesome in this movie. But this just seems like such a crutch of a freaking controversy. I mean, it yeah, it, it, it really does. I mean, like, he, he knew going into it that this thing was violent. And the whole excuse with the Sandy Hook thing. Dude, when you go- – I'm uh, again, I'm guessing when he signed on to this, he knew that mass shootings existed. Well, then let's move on to the final, I guess this it was less freeball and a more controversy episode. Another controversy that's come up lately. Now, Brad, you go to a lot of movies in the theater. Do you always stay to make sure that there's a post-credit scene or not? Two things. One, if I know that there's a post-credit scene, and two, if I give a crap. <laughs> so like you, there... you're not going to stick around to see if, if there's a post-credit scene in Turbo to see if that's Snail really fast? No! I'll agree, yeah, because sometimes I just really want to get out there and smoke. Yeah, dude, like, sometimes I might know that there's, like, a post-credit scene, and I just don't care. Like, uh, a frickin' uh, Lone Ranger, when Brian stayed to see if Johnny Depp eventually got done walking during the ending credits, and I guess he did. I don't know. Because some theaters are trying to cram more showings in, and I don't know how a couple of minutes will matter... They're they're cutting the credits in half and cutting off post-credit scenes. So people are complaining that we're not getting what we paid for. You cut off, you cut scenes out of the movie essentially. I have noticed this. We've been seeing a lot more mid-credit scenes. That might be an answer to that because I know when I worked at the movie theater in the early 2000s, as soon as the credits came up, and this was a managerial decision by this particular manager. He's like, the movie's over, and he would cut off the credits. And it would just, the lights would come up and you wouldn't have the choice to sit and listen to the song at the end or see if there was a post-credit scene. And I thought, kind of a dick move. If you want to sit through the credits, I don't see why you can't. 
So I, I'm I'm calling out theaters for doing this now. That okay, you you need to cut the credits off to get a couple of extra minutes. That's really going to get you another showing, or is it just the employees want to go home early? I think, way, it's, it's I think it's because I because uh, I worked in a theater too. If I were to guess, it would be because they want to give the employees more time to get the theaters cleaned in between showings. Like if if I had to guess why a particular theater would do that, because I mean you're, you're not gonna shaving off a couple of minutes is not gonna give you an extra show time. Cutting like five minutes out of every showing isn't gonna give you two hours. Yeah, it's not gonna give you dick. But I, this is honestly, this is the first I'm hearing about this. They they don't do that in any of the theaters here at all. You should get the whole movie that you paid for. If you want to sit through the credits, fine. Oh, if I agree. Don't then then mm-hmm. just get up and leave. I I tend to be fifty fifty like you, Brad. On the few times I do go to the movies in the theater, if it's something I care about, I'll stick around. But if yeah. it's something that I just like, wow, I, this movie sucked. I, I just want to get the hell out of here. This Or, in my case, if I've had a lot of root beer, I gotta pee, gotta pee, gotta pee, don't care. Yeah, ex- I, exactly. I used to always have to sit through the credits because I had a friend whose mom knew a p- bunch of people that did accounting for studios. And so she always stayed to see the, the, their names in the credits. And, like, the accountant is one of the last things you see. Oh, fair enough. But... I, I just think, you know, this controversy of whether theaters have the right to do this. And in some cases, some movie studios are kind of bitching a little bit going, uh, you don't have the right to re-edit our movie. So you're <laughs> basically renting the movie from us. You don't have the right to cut the credits off if we don't t- give you that right. So yeah. some theaters might get in trouble if they keep doing this. Good, good, good. They deserve it. This freeballing episode unintentionally turned to... relatively new controversies for no apparent reason, other than The Conjuring. (laughs) It's the only one that wasn't some stupid made-up controversy. X-Men Origins Wolverine. Yeah, and I just saw that for the first time the other day. Okay, what did you think going in? I mean, I'm sure you'd heard it was bad. Were you going in with a good attitude? I was going... I wasn't going in angry. I was going in more curious like because I don't I don't know a single person who likes that movie I I don't including Hugh Jackman right uh, I I don't know a single person who likes that so I went in for really like a curiosity factor and I've gone into movies like that before and watched and was like well it wasn't that bad this one was just hey, it's just boring it was just action scene and then a couple lines of dialogue then action scene and then like uh, they say a couple words and then action scene Ugh, so redundant but that movie to me is one of those weird cases where like okay i pointed out hugh jackman doesn't like the movie produced it so you couldn't have stopped the stupidity at any point it's like like bill cosby bitching about leonard part six you wrote and produced it at no point did you not see that you were going to hate this film? No, be- no, because like you don't just because they produced it doesn't mean they have final cut on the movie. But uh, I'm just saying, and also in the Hugh case Jackman of Wolverine, had a lot of power at that point. In, yeah, but Tom Rothman had more power. Tom Rothman had more power, and he's very much the re- one of the reasons why that movie was one made and two as shitty as it was because they wanted to do. They with they wanted to do a movie like the new one, like the new Wolverine movie that's out. But Rothman was like, no, no, let's do like a prequel first. So uh, this that's more Tom Rothman's baby than it is Hugh Jackman. Was it worse than X three? 
or Last Stand or whatever people call it yeah. now. Yeah, I thought it was. I th- Most I definitely. It was, I thought it was way worse than X3. I, th- I thought it was right on the same level. I thought they were both equal levels of shit. I, that I, helicopter scene alone in Wolverine Origins is just... I hated that scene enough to just say, this is worse than X-Men 3. People have been trying to get me to go see Die Hard 5. Oh, God, who? Some friends of mine who clearly want me to they're, suffer. Cause... They're, they're, they're not your friends. <laughs> but Die Hard 5. Is that any different on DVD? Uh, is it like a director's cut or, or anything? On On Demand... It lists it as being like about ten minutes longer. Are, I have are no you, idea. Are you gonna give it a shot, or was the trickle no! so bad you just you, it, it doesn't matter anymore? I am. Oh God, no. That's why I wanted to ask you because I know you really hated it. Still, probably the worst movie I've seen all year. Well, speaking of that, did you see that Bruce Willis being a dick to that British reporter? What the hell was that? According to Kevin Smith, Bruce Willis is incredibly difficult to deal with, just even when you're the director. And he just seemed to get... Yes, to be fair, the reporter's questions were benign, but, but Bruce's level of aggression was uncalled for. And and also, he's done press junkets before. I've seen the... I've seen interviews like that before. Of course an interviewer is probably... An interviewer like that is going to ask some freaking benign questions. Do your job or call in sick or reschedule it or something, dude. Like... To me, the funniest seriously, part of that whole seriously, thing. like lighten the hell up, man. I I get it. You don't want to be there. You don't want to do this. I I get it, man. I get it. But don't take it out on the interviewer. The funniest part to me, don't watch Bruce Willis next time you watch that clip. Watch Mary Louise Parker. I did. She looks yeah. mortified. She's she's embarrassed to be there after Bruce's tirade. You know. Uh huh. Well, I've got that 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 queued up here to watch after we're done. That's it's not embarrassing. Even, it's it's not even the, and I like the only time I've heard Bruce Willis is kind of off to work with is really whenever he's doing something for a paycheck. Because when you talk, when you listen to other people, like you, when you listen to like Rodriguez talk about him and stuff like that, and Tarantino, it's like he's the greatest guy in the world to work with. Hear Kevin Smith tell it. He's an ego that Willis is an ego maniacal head who doesn't want to do anything unless he wants to do it i'm guessing cop out was a huge i'm not guessing i know cop out was a huge paycheck for him but that's not even the first bruce willis interview i've seen like that there was uh one that he did where he was in uh, he was being interviewed by some liquor website or something and the girl was asking him some questions about some different drinks and stuff like that. And admittedly, I mean, he was kind of smiling through it, probably just because the interviewer was a woman. He was, whenever he was answering, it was always like, just like a one word answer. Like, uh, like what was when you were a bartender, what was your favorite drink to make somebody? And he's, I don't know. It was, it was, that was a while back. I, I don't know. And then, so like, uh, and that it was it was mostly just one word answers. It was like that. It was like that text interview I did with Glickenhouse. Well, and then you you also when it comes to Willis, you have this weird. Have you seen what just happened with De Niro and Willis? Is that a movie? Yeah, it's called What Just Happened. No. Bruce Willis plays himself as an incredibly difficult actor who refuses to shave his big beard 
to do the part. And so he just shaves half of it, and he's just being a dick the whole time. And he's basically parodying that image of himself. That's funny. And so, like and, and the director basically said, yeah, that's not as much parody as you'd think. That actually him in the movie, he was almost as difficult as the character he was supposed to be playing. Yeah, there was a lot more real to that than there should have been. You know, I, I get, you know, I get being in a crummy mood, probably promoting a movie that you possibly don't like very much. I, I get that. Like, you're in a press junket. It's probably been a long day. I, I, I get it. You know, people are only human. I do. But I, that, you know, even even if you have an excuse like that, I mean, you, you still are coming across as a dick. You are. I mean, you could have an excuse that I totally understand, but you're still coming across as a dick. And don't, and you know, don't take it out on the interviewer. The I don't I don't want to be here like you guys were talking about how Gary Graham really didn't want to be in Atlantic. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and, and j- just watch. You can find the clip on YouTube. Genevieve Bioid as Captain Janeway in the, oh, the Voyager yeah, yeah, pilot. Yeah. She yeah. so does not want to be there, doesn't she? Oh, dude. And yeah. I, I get this feeling that that was the kind of thing. Her agent talked her into, if you do this Star Trek thing, you'll never have to work again. You can just do conventions. You'll be a sensation. And then she gets on set and like, don't want to be here. 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 Surrounded by nerds. I don't know what I'm saying. I have never seen an actor half-ass a performance like that before. It's almost like she was trying to be fired. So I just find that I was found that really, really funny because – Janeway, the Janeway we got wasn't much better, and she was trying, so I don't know if that's sadder or not. <laughs> Kate Mulgrew was I, trying, and she wasn't much better. Mulgrew, I, I, see, I'm not a Voyager guy. Uh, but I'm, honestly, really, I'm a Voyager. Voyager sucks. I, honestly, really, I'm just an original series guy. But so I, I can't attest to really either Janeway, honestly. Well, except I did see that clip of the original one, and yeah, she was not good. <laughs> It was it here she was trying, please fire me so I can get out of the contract. I really dug Next Generation and Deep Space Nine, but at like five episodes into Voyager, I'm like, Star Trek is dead to me. So, Brad, even though you did it at the beginning of the show, do you want to tell people where they can find you? <laughs> uh, TheCinemaSnob.com. I forgot. It's been that long ago. Okay, Apocapimp. You want to tell people where they can find you? GeekJuiceMedia.com. Well, I'm on the pocket pimping all over the place. And then 1201beyond.com, 1201beyond at gmail.com. Go use the Adam and Eve code drone, blah, blah, blah. You know the routine. Have a good night.
I'm the match And I'm the pyre I'm the voodoo black musician Priest wife I'm the greatest thing Since World War III, girls You think he's acting But he's not His name's Mark Thanks a lot My name is Mark Thanks a lot I'm the power Sodom used on lot I am the puller, <laughs> and the snake, I'm the beat that makes you shake. Why, I'm the top, the point, the end. I'm more than a love and more than a friend. I am the power of pure desire. My magic will take you higher than you've ever been before. So follow me beyond the door of the stupid hopes and dreams you got. My name is Mark. Thanks a lot, girls. His name is Mark. Thanks a lot. You think he's acting, but he's not. The show that you're about to see is an absolutely satisfying for the My name is Mark. Thanks a lot. Just wait till you see what I have got. There is nothing up my sleeve. Come look at this. Nothing compared to me. I am the killer. I am the source. And you will worship me, of course. I'm the oracle. I'm the seer, the wit. There is no question that I am it. <laughs> I know what you've been waiting for. And you won't have to wait no more Cause history reveals my friend It reveals one thing There's only one beginning and one end There's only one, one and only is there not My name is Mark and thanks a lot Hey girls His name is Mark, thanks a lot He looks so cool, but he's hot His name is Mark, thanks a lot you think he's happy, but he's not. My name is Mark, thanks a lot. 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 Thank you, thank you. Radio Drone is a 1201 Beyond production. Visit 1201beyond.com for more great shows.